You are listening to the Master Photography Podcast. Welcome to the Master Photography Roundtable, part of the Master Photography Podcast Network. You are joined by thousands of photographers listening to this show, all on the same journey to master their photography. I am Jeff Harmon, the host for this episode, and joining me today at the Roundtable is Miss Erica Kay. Hi, Erica. Hey. And Brent Bergham. How are you, Brent? Hello. Doing well. Good. I'm so excited to... Uh, we have some cool topics to talk about today. I'm really excited about it. There's been some news that's happened and some some really cool things to discuss. So I'm, I'm excited to get into it. But Erica, you've had some very good news lately happen in your life. And we've already... I have. We've kind of privately shared our congratulations with you, but I wanted to be the first one to say congratulations so much on your recent marriage. Thank you. Thank you. It was, it was wonderful, especially after all of the problems we went through to actually yeah. be able to have the wedding right. uh, turned out so beautifully and perfectly. And I just wish I could relive it every day for the rest of my life. <laughs> well, you kind of get to. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. We're so happy for you. It's so wonderful. Thanks. Thank you. All right. Let's jump straight into the first topic today. It's uh, it's one that I'm, I'm kind of excited about. Well, I actually, I have kind of mixed emotions. So we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But it has to do with some new products from Magmod. And Erica, I know you are a massive fan of Magmod flash modifiers. Which ones do you own already and use regularly? Let's just talk about them briefly the stuff that already exists. Yeah, I am definitely a Magmod groupie. <laughs> I have every product that they offer. Um, so I have spent a lot of money on Magmod <laughs> products. I, you know, I've been given some things as well for reviews, for blog posts and the podcast and things like that. But I have definitely spent quite a bit of money on their products and I have everything that they, that they sell currently. Um, the things that I use the most though would be the, the Mag Grids, the Mag Gels and the Mag Sphere. Uh, those are the things that I use pretty much any time I'm using a flash, whether I'm doing portraits or I'm shooting a reception at a wedding or whatever. If I have my flashes out, I pretty much always have one of the MagMod products on it. Um, and the grids, the gels, and the sphere are the things that I use the most often. What is it about MagMod gear that has made you decide to go that direction instead of like all the other modifiers that are out there? Yeah, I... The, I guess the initial reason why I started using MagMod products is because of how small and portable they are. I am a small person uh, and I have a lot of gear, especially on wedding days. I have a huge suitcase full of stuff and a backpack full of stuff and a light stand bag full of stuff. And it's just a lot of crap to carry around. So before I started using MagMod, I just was I could not carry everything, physically could not carry everything. When I had massive soft boxes and umbrellas and all kinds of things that I had to carry around with me, it just wasn't possible. And I felt like I found myself avoiding using modifiers because I just couldn't carry them. Uh, so once I found the MagMod products, I, I kind of latched onto them almost instantly because they're so small and portable that I could carry them with me everywhere. And I could carry, you know, all six different modifiers that I have, I think is six, uh, with me at all times because they're so small. So that's really what kind of drew them to me in, in the first place. And 
after trying them all out and using them for a while, I realized that I actually really love them. They produce really beautiful light. I would, you know, I, I would say that there are some large expensive modifiers that probably produce a softer, nicer light. But uh-huh. the, for me, the ease, the ease of use and portability kind of outweighs that because the, the light really is comparable. I've done a lot of tests and, and comparisons for portrait session and for blog posts and things like that. And there isn't a huge difference in quality. So for me, it's, it's worth it definitely sure. to be able to, to carry them around with me everywhere. Brent, are you into Magmod stuff at all? No, I'm actually not. I've certainly heard a lot about them, but I have not used any of their products. Okay. Um, and Erica, one more question: Have you did you have you used other soft boxes in the past? Like the MagSphere, I assume, is what you're using to kind of cover that need. Yeah. Have you compared that? You've, you've done comparisons to soft boxes and have elected to go with the Sphere up to this point. Right. right. I yes. I before using the Magmod products, I had uh, I don't know. I have a whole cl- closet full of different soft boxes and umbrellas and all kinds of things, octoboxes, and I still use actually a lot of those regularly in my studio where I have everything just kind of set up already and don't have to take them down and move them around as much. So I do have all the full size products still in my studio and I use my MagMod stuff more when I'm out on location. Um, so yes, I have used other things and yes, I've done a lot of comparisons with the different MagMod products um, up against what they're supposed to be replacing. So like the Sphere is supposed to replace a, a soft box or an Octobox and the, the Bounce is supposed to replace an umbrella. So I've done tests and comparisons in different environments with different types of uh, products or models or whatever to see how that light differs. And it's really pretty close. Uh-huh. So for me, like I said, it's it's worth it. Okay, so this is kind of the the perfect episode for us then <laughs> because yeah. and, and this is kind of how, how it is that we're, we're hoping things are going to happen with the Master of Photography Roundtable. We have three different people here who have uh-huh. vastly different kind of situations that we're in. Brent's never used MagMod. I do have some MagMod stuff I'll talk about in a minute. Um, but I also have a softbox that I am using um, and I preferred it over the sphere. And then you have Erica who's using all MagMod stuff. So we're kind of covering the spectrum of usage right. here. <laughs> and it makes it very applicable to talk about then the new product, how does it fit in, and, and what each of our perspectives will be that should cover kind of most of the listenership. So that's it's exactly how we kind of want things to work out. And, and I'm excited to have the conversation. So let's talk about what MagMod is doing new here. So let's, let's go through it here. Um, the MagMod store over at magnetmod.com, which has always felt weird to me. Like, why is it just magmod.com? Right, right. But it's magnetmod.com. Um, you, you can go there. You can get all the stuff Erica just talked about. <clears throat> it's all fully available. But they did start these products on Kickstarter. That's kind of been the mantra of the company or the, the way that they have done their product lines. They start first on Kickstarter. They kind of get some funding through that to, uh, to launch the product lines. And then they go put it in the Mag- MagMod store. So that will, all this stuff will be coming, uh, not, probably not too far out in the future. I mean, it is Kickstarter. We'll go through that again, too. Just to, There is a caveat there, a bit of a caveat. But with Magmon, I'm not nearly as worried about it. All right. So, um, so Erica, as a hobbyist, so what, what they've come out with is something. It's a softbox. They're going to add to their product line a softbox. It's going to be made up of some components. We're going to get into the full details about what they are in a second. But before I go there, I just kind of wanted to have 
Erica talk about Flash in general, it, it kind of used to make me nervous as a hobbyist. When I was facing it, I was like, oh man, I don't know about this. This is this feels like it's really complicated to make Flash work. So um, kind of, can you explain kind of why it is? I know you've done it on a portrait session too, but just briefly talk about why you'd even want a softbox and how you use one. Yeah, of course. Uh, and I first, I want to say I understand that fear and that you know feeling of nervousness because learning Flash is is a a beast. You know, there are so many things to consider. There are so many different um, gear options to consider, both in the Flash itself and the modifiers and all that kind of stuff. So anybody who's feeling nervous about learning Flash and trying to understand all these different modifiers and things you can do with Flash you're you are right in that feeling of nervousness i completely understand that but you know education is is critical and you'll get there eventually so softbox is it's definitely one of the more popular modifiers for flash and i think the name softbox really kind of explains what it what it is and what it does so it essentially is a box or sometimes you can get them in like octagonal shapes so it doesn't necessarily have to be a box type shape but it is a box type of thing that goes over top of your flash and then it has a diffuser across the front of it and that diffuser really softens the light output and the reason why you want to use something like that is because if you're using a flash with no diffuser at all the light is pretty harsh you'll get really harsh shadows speaking about portraiture in in particular you'll you'll get harsh shadows on on people's faces um, you know from their noses from the the creases in their their facial structure from wrinkles from their eyes the way that their eyes are set you'll have lots of shadows if you don't diffuse the light and soften the light in some way so by using a softbox you are softening the light and allowing those shadows to be softer Uh, so that's in a nutshell really the the reason why you want to use a diffuser like a softbox it's kind of the mark between a professional portrait and a snapshot or something uh, absolutely you know, yeah. in the daytime at noon that's what we've talked everyone talks about how it's a terrible time to go shoot photos at noon that's just the light is so harsh and and it makes things not look good and and part of this because that's like the most common way that we see snapshots you see people they're on vacation they're wherever they're at they're taking pictures and it's the sun is producing all the light and it's this single light source that's really kind of tiny in comparison to us mm-hmm. as a light source not in physical reality but as a light right. source it's tiny and it makes those shadows really sharp edges so that the the transition from the shadow area to the lighted area is like a, a solid edge and really that's uh, right that's what you're talking about with harsh shadows it makes it this right. the edge is so defined and absolutely that's what we see constantly and so when you keep seeing it it's it's so done that it doesn't make it look like it's a professional shot anymore. Right, right. And that, so that's something that really helps is when you can soften that light up and this modifier really goes there. You were going to say something else, Erica? Uh, I was going to say just kind of going off of your example of the sun being far away, so making the, the light really harsh. Just a tip if you're using softboxes or learning to use softboxes, the closer you, you get the softbox to your subject, the softer the light will be. For me, when I was first learning all of this, that kind of like seemed oh, backwards yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah. I felt like you want to move it away so that the light is not as harsh. But in reality, the closer you get, the softer and the more wrapping the light will be around your subject. Yeah, so you want to get it as close as you can without putting it in the frame. That's 
Right. And sometimes you put it in the frame and then you take two shots and clone it out. So Right. Exactly. <laughs> to, to make it work. Okay. So, hey, Brent. I know yes. you mostly do like travel stuff and landscapes and, you know, all this, these lightings things. It's not really what you're doing most of the time. It's, it's not what I'm known for, but I have a whole class uh, where I spend a whole quarter just on on lighting like this. Okay. So oh, you, nice. do you use soft boxes much? Or is Absolutely. It just, is I, it, go ahead. Go ahead. I use the standard studio stuff from Paul C. Buff. I have uh, Alien Bees and I just bought some Digibees because I had one of the alien bees go up in smoke last year. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, it was kind of fun. Uh, the students are funny. They're like, is it supposed to do that? But no. <laughs> that is that is not a proper response from a flash. You know, with, with everything that has any electronics in it, if you let the smoke out, they don't work anymore. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> and... Um, then we have an assignment or two where there's where they need to take it on on site so i give them the option if they want to of taking the studio strobes because i have a battery pack that will power the studio strobes or everyone uses the the hot shoe flash with an umbrella uh, i don't really have a soft box that goes with the with the hot shoe flashes because uh well, like kind of the video on this Magbox thing is about, they do get kind of cumbersome and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, the umbrella is, you know, really easy to operate. And if a student breaks it, it's I'm out 20 bucks. So it's not a big deal, maybe less. Uh, so it's just really easy and really uh, portable for them to carry around because I've got a portable stand. I got two setups: a portable stand, uh, flash, and the trigger or you know the the radio slave. Um, flash trigger item and then an umbrella and so they go around and and shoot environmental portraits that way very cool so even a landscape photographer gets into the <laughs> that's yeah that's what i'm known for outside of school right. for sure but right. i'm definitely uh comfortable in the studio it's it's not something that is hugely like my thing as it were you know like when i'm at two two times now at the create photography retreat you know i've been put in the studio and and sometimes uh, feel a little bit like a fish out of water, uh -huh. but this last time in uh, Charleston it was actually really awesome because I had a bunch of absolute new people, uh, kind of what you know Erica was talking about, where if you feel very apprehensive about it, you know I guess I would describe when I'm in the studio, I do what I can to demystify all that stuff. Sure, sure. Because yes, there's lots of pieces to this puzzle when you're putting it together. But when you see someone put it together, and I'm actually showing people how to meter the light without a light meter, uh, and you can get at least close to what you need, uh, it may not be as perfect as if you're using a light meter, uh, but you know, it suddenly starts to be like, hmm, you know, I, maybe I can do this, right. and, and then they can spread their wings and go from there. Yeah, and I want listeners to take that away from this discussion, too. We're talking about some gear here that's specific, but flash really helps you learn about photography. So even though if landscape's your thing, it's really helpful to learn about it. It, it makes you learn more about photography as you try to do flash. And it, mm -hmm. it, it seems so scary. I was there and I remember like, uh, I got my first flash, like, I don't think I can do this. This isn't working. This looks terrible. This is worse than natural light. <laughs> yeah. um, but you can do it. it. It takes some practice. It takes some time to get through it, but it's it, it only takes a short amount of time to overcome that. And don't let the fear of starting prevent you from ever trying it. Just it, you can get into it really inexpensively. We've talked about young new flashes a lot, and and that's a, a great way to just dabble in it and play around. And it, I encourage you to do it. Okay, so soft boxes, 
Uh, I have them. I use them in my portrait work. That's made a massive difference when, I, when I've when i had some soft boxes. I'm going to share specifically which one I'm using as my dude out of the week at the end of the show. So I'm not going to tell you which one now. But, um, <laughs> but I do have one I like, and it's fairly inexpensive. So again, you can kind of dabble by getting in there. Um, but there's tons of brands. There's, there's so you can spend whatever amount of money you want on this stuff. <laughs> As with all things photography, you can really kind of find all levels of expenses that you can do there. But let, let's talk specifically now about what Mad uh, Ma is doing here with this gear. Um, their, their MO, the thing that they're really kind of famous for is engineering a solution that's very different from the other things that are available at the time. So the products that Eric already talked about, MagSphere, for example, is pretty different from from other solutions that are out there. There's some that kind of are somewhat similar, but part of what they do is making sure that there's ease of use in all of the products. Mm-hmm. Huge, huge emphasis on we want to make it make sure that this stuff is durable. This stuff is really simple to put on and off your in your gear and your cameras or however you need to attach them to things. Make it so that you can do it all with one hand and still hold your camera. So they they take they kind of really work on those kinds of things. And it's so it's super interesting to me when they come out with a new product line to see where did they go with this stuff? What are they adding to the space and, and how are they changing the products so that they have those kinds of things? And of course they're called MagMod a lot because it's always using magnets <laughs> in all of their mm-hmm. stuff. Magnets are involved. And that, that's kind of where the ease of use things come in. They've got magnets that are strong enough that they hold when you're putting things together, but are easy enough to detach still that you can still do it with like one hand. It's beautiful stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. really works well that way. And I expect, I mean, none of us have seen these things, so we can't testify to it yet, but uh, I expect it's going to continue. It's going to be very solidly built, well, durable stuff, and it's going to have the magnets that are super easy to use and make it really easy. All right. So let's talk about the, the there's three pieces that make up this kind of new new softbox system that they've got. Um, the first is the mag box. So that's the name of the product that they've got there. And it's the softbox itself. Then they have the mag ring that allows you to really easily mount two flashes to the softbox. And that's kind of a, a big deal to me. And we're going to talk about that. Then there's the mag shoe. And that allows you to put a single flash on a light stand. It's a cold shoe, their, their take on the cold shoe. And then, so not only have these three pieces been designed to work really well together, that ease of use, the magnets, so that they all kind of snap together like effortlessly, but they also made sure that you can use the other products that already exist, the other MagMod products that, that we've talked about. So you can add the, the snoot, the grip, the grid, uh, whatever, all, all those things, they're intended to still be able to be used. I don't know that you can really use the sphere inside it. <laughs> it seems like that might be a little hard, but but they've, yeah. they've designed and engineered all this stuff to work together. Um, okay, so the Magbox, they've got some unique features that they're, they're talking about here. And I'm really interested to see people test this and, and how it goes. But what they're claiming or what they're, they're sale, selling here is a 24-inch softbox, which is a pretty standard size. I think it's the same size I have in a, in a softbox. Um, and that, but they're saying it is the brightest softbox ever created. Um, and they're, they're kind of, they're saying that it doesn't leak light. Like, uh, they're, they're saying that a lot of other brands, uh, makers of soft boxes have a problem where a bunch of the light leaks off and is not actually steered toward your subject. So they have a patent pending technology there. They've called it a focus diffuser. And they say that by this diffuser is it, or this focus diffuser is a diffuser and a grid 
all in one. Um, and, and then it's going to give you two to three more stops of light without having any hotspots. So that's a pretty big deal, a pretty big claim. But Erica, mm-hmm. I want I want to protect my hobbyist <laughs> listeners out there. <laughs> a lot of that stuff, like, what does that mean? I don't know. A grid, what does that do? So will you, will you talk about diffuser and grid? You kind of mentioned diffuser already a little bit with, like, that's the whole purpose of a softbox. But what, it, mm-hmm. what is a diffuser? What's a grid? So a diffuser essentially is a very thin, white piece of material. Uh, that goes in the front of a softbox and it diffuses the light. It softens the light. Again, kind of getting rid of those harsh shadows that we talked about earlier. And a grid is something that directs the light. Uh, The grid, like I said earlier, is something that I use a lot with my, one of the MagMod products that I use a lot. Um, And I guess if I'm understanding this correctly, the softbox has a built-in grid. right. And so what that's gonna do is gonna direct the light and prevent the light from spilling or leaking in other directions. And I think this is what they're talking about when they say that it's the the brightest softbox ever created and it gives you two to three more stops of light. They're using this grid technology to really focus the light and the direction that the that the diffuser and the softbox is pointing. So, with prevent by preventing that spilling and that that um, leaking of light, all of the light output is going in that direction and the direction that you want it. Therefore, increasing and I'm I'm making that in um, you know air quotations (laughs) the amount of light that is being output. Okay, perfect. So, yeah. Now, just physically what the grids look like, it looks like a, a honeycomb, kind of. Um, I mean, right. there's there's different kinds, but <clears throat> the, it looks like a honeycomb. It's usually kind of a, a black uh, plastic kind of material. And so how do you normally put this? I mean, with its with the MagMod stuff, it's just this little bitty thing that you put over the flash, the magnet. You just snap it on, and then you snap the sphere over the top. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I like that product, too. I, I have a mag sphere and a grid, and I have used that. Like, I almost never put the sphere on the flash without putting the grid on, without too. Without the grid. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so I always have those two things together, and then I use the gels as well. That all comes in mm-hmm. the kit if you buy it. So, um so, so I understand that, but like the bigger soft boxes, how do you attach a grid? Well, normally, I don't know enough about the, the new mag box just to, to understand really how the grid is working there, but in a normal soft box or the soft box that I, soft boxes that I use and octoboxes that I use, it's essentially a, a Velcro feature around right, the right. edge of the grid that connects to the Velcro on the inside of the softbox. So right on the front of the diffuser, there's a layer of, of um, Velcro on the softbox itself, and you just Velcro the, the grid right into the front of the softbox. Okay, yeah, so and why would it matter, maybe I'll ask you, Brent, what would it matter sure. why they're saying two to three more stops of light here? What, who, it, you, you've got flashes, you can just power up the flashes. Why do you care about two to three stops more light coming out of the sure. softbox? Well, I think they're achieving that through the shape and the design of the box itself. And um, <clears throat> it's a parabola type shape. And so when you plug your flashes in there, it's going to maximize the reflection uh, 
towards your your subject and i have a feeling when they say it's it's like a grid i don't think from the what i'm seeing on their kickstarter page i don't see an actual grid right, being used right. but i have a feeling what they're trying to say there is that the um the foil interior they they have this little thing they call micro lenses or something like that but what it's doing is it's behaving as if there was a grid on there uh and that basically just means you're more directionally focusing the light but you know like they were saying like they're saying also it's not having the hot spots or anything like that yeah uh, but then they have examples as well so you can have it be less focused or you can have it be more focused it seems uh, hmm. but they don't describe exactly how they're going to do that but to answer more directly your question uh, why you want that usually in my opinion anyway more light is almost always better or at least the ability to have more light is always better so in this case uh if i could get another stop even if i were just to do one more stop that's two times the amount of light right if i can get two times the amount of light out of my any given flash then my batteries are going to probably last longer because i can tone down the flash compared to what i would normally have to do right and so my shoot can last longer uh i maybe i won't have um especially maybe if i were shooting in the evening time it won't be so uh much of an annoyance possibly to the model you know because some people when that bright flash goes off and especially if you're getting it close so you can have the ultra soft light that can be really bright and it can kind of uh after the 50th flash that can kind of affect a person so you can have it the flash potentially just simply not be as bright as you would otherwise need because you're getting more efficient use of that light out of your box yeah and it would also help with recycle time yeah, if you don't have to have your your yeah. flash powered all the way up you can have it you know much lower therefore the recycle time would be much quicker yeah. And you can just shoot more rapidly and, you know, maybe get that shot between the shots, so to speak, that otherwise you might miss. And that becomes right. a really big deal to me. I, I shoot a lot of families that have young kids and you got to be able to snap. <laughs> you got to be able to go. Um, right. And sometimes it just doesn't even work. Like that had to go so fast that uh, unless I had strobes that were powered by the uh, like an electrical outlet or the battery, big, huge batteries. Um, the, the speed lights, they can't keep up fast enough. I have to ditch them and, and just hope I can make it, uh, soften up the shadows and post as much as I can. Um, mm -hmm. so, so that would be a massive deal. Being able to get the recycle time down really helps in that situation. And, and it's something I'm excited about. And people like waiting. They don't like waiting anyway. So even on the older <laughs> models, <laughs> the faster we can get this done, the better. So uh, right. that's, that's good. Um, well, and this device also will take two flash heads yes, as well, which yeah. is kind of convenient yeah, if we're you have the two flash heads the, anyway. With the mag ring. So already with just the soft box itself, they, they're, they're claiming that there's going to be two to three stops more of light just with that. And then you're going to have some more with the mag ring we'll talk about in a second. But there's one other feature with the soft box that seems pretty different. Um, and that's how gels can be used. So Eric yeah. already talked about like the, when you put a grid on, you're, you're playing around with Velcro there. The Velcro can wear out pretty quick and it, it's cumbersome. It's kind of difficult to use. Uh, the Velcro sticks to each other when you're storing it. So you got to undo it. Anyway, it sticks to your clothes. It's, yeah, it's, <laughs> yes. it's not fun. And the gels kind of are the same way. You can use tape kind of, but they, they also kind of do the same thing. You have this big gel that has to go over the entire outside of the soft box. And, um, and then you got a Velcro 
Pro to them, and uh, for for most of them, at least that's how I've seen most of them work. So they're doing this way differently, where it goes on the inside of the softbox, and uh, there's a little zipper on the side of the softbox so that you can get in there easily, put it in and out, and then it's got a firm, uh, a little holder in there for the gels and you can of course not use them at all if you don't want need a gel but then it's this this disc and they've, they've done a really good job of making their gels a nice firm material too that's another mm-hmm. problem i've had with a lot of gels is they're so flimsy they get bent really easily and when you're when you have them in your bag they get ruined because they're so flimsy and, and little and and so they have these nice, really firm, solid gels for the other Magmod stuff. And they're not going to work. Those same gels aren't going to work here because this is a different shape that goes inside of the softbox. But it's the same style. It's the same hard, uh, very firm material that you just go in through the zipper, you snap it into place, zip up the zipper, and you're done. It's, the gel is inside, and now the whole thing's going to be gelled. It's, it looks pretty cool. I really... Do you well, guys... I wonder... Yeah, go ahead, Do Erica. you know if you can put the original gels just on your flash before you put it you know i thought i thought that you probably could um they've said for sure they've designed all of the mounting points to make it so that you can for sure have like the snoot and the grid and if the grid can fit then the then the gel gel holder yeah yeah i just don't know if um those same the size and shape of those gels are going to make the softbox filled with the gelled light the same way that this would i don't know um, so they're certainly selling and, a different thing here, so I don't know if, how well that's going to work. And yeah. if there's any chance that someone doesn't know what a gel is, what does a gel do? Oh, <laughs> that's my job. I'm supposed to ask, <laughs> ask everyone <laughs> to define that. All right, so Brett, suggest a question. How about you answer it? <laughs> well, it provides the opportunity to uh, influence with a color. And so if you're wanting, let's say you can go with it two ways, um, well, maybe three ways, but uh, you could have like maybe a creative outlet with it to where you might use a very brilliant color on a maybe whether it's a background or you're creating maybe a rim light on the person where it just goes around the uh, you know the the contour of their shape and you provide some kind of accent light that way. But you can also do something where you would modify the color of the flash to match your daylight. So, for instance, if you're shooting say at sunset, you would want to put uh the more uh, orangish color in there so that you don't have this f- blue feeling light coming out of your flash and it is not matching the evening light that is coming from the sun and so you can have a more balanced uh white balance if you will you know between your light source and the natural light that's that's there so you can uh modify it that way too and you can probably get them i would imagine they still have them so you can balance uh, fluorescent lights sure. uh, with yeah, your flash as well they do. yeah they have great it's it's awesome i love their gels it, it made me actually use mm-hmm. gels i i didn't do them before because they were just too difficult to i don't know yep, the whole like, i agree 100 taping them on the flash and, oh gosh <laughs> nope not worth it to me I, I didn't do it and then when i got the magma gels to put directly on the flash it was so easy i decided all right well what the heck i'll give it a try now that it's this easy and man did that help like the sunset photos like you were talking about i've done some beach photos for example engagement beach photos and wow, did that make such a difference to be able to make that sunset pop and have the people mm-hmm. still look like humans was really good. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So uh, you think, do you think that's an important feature inside of the softbox? I think it's yes. brilliant. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think this is, uh, Magmod's doing their thing here and this, they, they have figured out a better way. 
they figured out how to accomplish some, something that you can do with other equipment for sure. There's there, that's possible with other equipment, but this is easier. It's going to last longer and it's, it's impressive. I, I'm, I love the take that these guys have when they uh, go look at a, a diffuse or a, a light modifier and how they simplify it, make it better. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, next piece. So that's the mag box. The mag ring is the next piece. Uh, and it's all about attaching a flash really quickly and easily. It does require their mag grip that to be on the flashes. Like all of their stuff requires this. It's a, it's a little rubber. It's kind of like a gasket almost. But it's, it's this <laughs> rubber thing that you have to, you kind of have to stretch. It's not super easy to get on the flash. Like you, you take some pressure. It's not easy at all. <laughs> you, it takes some pressure to put it on the flash. Um, I've even actually stripped one of the young new heads so that it will no longer stay uh, upright because I pushed so oh. hard to put this mag grip on. It's probably more the young new build quality than it was anything else. But, but, um, <laughs> but I, th- there's these mag grips. So it's this rubber thing that you have to put over the top of the flash. And then it has these really strong magnets on, e- on both sides of the flash. And um, you, the idea really is you put it on once. You put it on all your flashes, you put it on once, and then you can easily put any of these modifiers on it. You can stack the modifiers. Um, so they're continuing forward with that, and you don't need a new mag grip to go with the mag ring. It's just the same ones you've already got. If you've already invested in any of the mag mod equipment, then the, the existing mag grips that you have will be there. Um, and they're $30 a piece, um, These the... Oh, sorry. The mag ring. Let's see. Uh, I think they're $25 a piece. The mag grips um, when you go out to buy them on the site today. Um, okay. So anyway, this mag ring, there's you, you can mount two flashes. We've mentioned that already that they've made it so you can put two flashes into this mag ring. And so this is something that I think is also really cool uh, because really the the softbox that I have today, there's no way I could put two flashes in it. Like not any possible way. The, the opening that the flash pokes through in the back of the softbox, there's barely enough room for one flash. So mm-hmm. even if I wanted to, it won't, I can't. There's just no possible way for me to do it. Others are built to be able to support it, but then you still have to find some mechanism to hold the two flashes onto the softbox. And they're difficult things to use. It's uh, it's not that it's hard. So uh, what's what's super nice with that mag grip on the flash, you just push it onto the ring, just get it close to the ring, and the magnets kind of you know they'll attract to each other, and it just kind of snaps on there on the back of the the ring, and it's held solidly in place by the magnets. Oh, so cool to see the videos. You can go watch how that is, and if you've used any of the soft boxes before. You can imagine how easy it is now. So it is hard enough on my softbox. Once I have the flash mounted, that's not coming off again in the whole shoot. There's no way I'm going to go over there and I'm going to undo the things to take that flash off and use it for any other purpose. Unless something catastrophic happened, like a light stand fell over and demolished the flash. (laughs) I'm not Mm -hmm. taking it out of that softbox. Now it would be no big deal with this ring, the mag ring. Uh, if I wanted to quickly take the flash off and have a, a someone else handhold it in a place for a creative shoot, a creative shot, totally could do it. It would. I wouldn't even mm-hmm. think about it. I just grab it off and say, "Here, hold this for a second. Take the picture. Then you can put it right back on." That's really, really cool. I love that a lot. Um, yeah, I think the 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 thing that makes this really nice is they've changed the mounting point of where you're going to mount your flash because all these you know the other options you have you're having to mount that flash using its hot shoe uh, item. 
And if you get a, a unit that has more than one flash that you're dealing with, it's just it becomes really cumbersome because you're having to have this bracket that goes and supports the flash. And I've seen uh, rings that will support four flashes. But, you know, the thing is, once you're done, it's going to weigh so much and you have all oh, this yeah. thing that you have to screw in and tighten and all these other things. And they've simplified all that to about a half a second's worth of click and it's done. Yeah. So in that part, I'm just like, yes, this could be really nice. I, I like how they're doing this. And, and This two- is what I'm talking about when I say that. <laughs> This is why I switched to magma. <laughs> right, right, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. They're they're the things that they're bringing to the 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 light modifier space. It's just incredible the ideas that they've had. And it would be so interesting to see like how do they go through this process and uh, be a fly on the wall there. But the mm-hmm. the results are are really really nice. I'm, I'm loving what I see here. Um, and so again, the, the reason it's it's important to get two flashes on there. We talked about that the focus diffuser technology this magic that they've done to get two to three stops more of light because of the light box or the soft box itself. Now you can also put two flashes in there and that means that your recycle times can be even less. And um, you may have, it sounds like there may be situations where that you might even have be too much light now and you might have to turn off a flash because you, you got it, you're already down to like one one twenty eighth power <laughs> on the flash. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, and the only way to, to go lower is I'm going to have to take one of the two flashes off and not use it because there's, uh, I don't need that much light, uh, which is a great problem to have. That's, that's awesome. I would love to be there. I don't think I, I almost never shoot that low on the, on the flashes. I always need more power out of them. And uh, this this would be really, really nice to make that recycle time last and batteries last longer. It would be beautiful. All right. So the magrine can be used without the mag box. So their their idea is this can be a light like the top of your light stand instead of the terrible adapters that I know I'm using <laughs> with, with these little bitty knobs that you have to tighten uh-huh. and untighten and changing the angles is so hard and uh, it's it's rough. Uh, again, I'm not taking them off of those light stands or out of these mo- these adapters if I don't have to because they're, they're just that hard to get set up that I'm doing it once. And that means I got to have a lot of flashes so that I can have them all set up the way I need them and then I use them and will change up how I'm using them. But um, I'm not going to change like take one flash from one place and, and use it for a different with a different modifier because they're just too hard to undo and, and make go. Um, so so the idea is now you can use this just as as like by itself. You don't need to put it with the softbox. You just are using the ring so that you can mount the flash to the light stand and you know you can get two of them. Then you can use the other pieces like you could use your mag sphere on your flash and use the ring to mount it to the light stand which would mm-hmm. be pretty cool because today, mm-hmm. Erica, you probably have to use those awful adapters. Yep. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> so this gives you a really nice option. Although I think there's a, the third products, I think you an even better option as long as you don't need two flashes to be able to do that kind of thing. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, okay. So you connect the mag box to the mag ring. So those two pieces fit together like a magnet and they are with the magnets. And there's a, another thing that they've added here that I think is kind of cool. Um, they've made they had to make these magnets a bit stronger because these there's a little more weight involved here than most of their products mm-hmm. have so the the magnets are pretty strong they're strong enough that pulling them apart wasn't happening as easily as they wanted so now they've added this little lever to the mag ring that when you pull the lever it kind of breaks the magnetic pull 
for you and then you can do it and you can still do it with one hand they still made sure that that's there but there's this little lever and I, I, it's important just there because it gives me the assurance that this magnet is going to be strong enough to hold this this all this stuff together and not mm-hmm. not worry about it dropping off of your light stand and, and getting ruined uh, man they really thought of everything oh yeah they did <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's clear they 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 really do a good job of this the last part about the mag ring is they've also made sure it's compatible with very common strobes so that they said that they've got adapters for the pro photo bowens the ellen chrome and the pulsey buff strobes all nice. of those are supported they have I, you have to buy a little adapter because obviously those those don't have any magnet stuff on them so you have to have something that'll that'll make it attached to the ring but they have those available for all of those brands and you can get strobes in there too so that's even better that's awesome yeah all right mag shoe is the last part of this puzzle and uh, so this is their take on cold shoe adapter and i'm going to take this one and just kind of explain cold shoe adapter real quick here since i want to make sure newer listeners or newer photographers kind of understand what all these terms are um, if you've ever done anything with off-camera flash you've actually used some of these and you just didn't know they were called cold shoe adapters but uh, so flashes you know you, you can imagine a flash and and normally uh, most people think about how they go directly on your camera you have that little bracket on the top of your camera where the flash goes in there there's also some pins just underneath the bracket on your camera to make it so that the camera can talk to the flash there's these little pins they have to connect into the flash which happens when you mount it into that bracket and that's called a hot shoe because of that because of those pins that are there make it so the camera can talk to the um, the flash directly there's no uh, triggers or anything that you need to make it work well cold shoe adapters are the things that you put them on top of a light stand and they are what makes it so that you can use that same kind of mounting thing to put the camera or sorry the flash on top of the light stand in the same way that you do on top of the camera so it's the same bracket mount point that you can do there and so that's kind of what's the the cold shoe things are and if you do any off-camera flash you've had to use these because you got to have a way to put those on the light stand and that's what these cold shoe adapters do the problem is like we talked about they they have these little tiny knobs there's one tiny knob at the very top to kind of tighten the uh, the bracket to hold the flash in place and then there's another one or two little knobs that you have to use to try to they have to loosen up to change the angle and then you have to use two hands or it's just not possible to do this without two hands then you have to hold the the adapter in whatever angle you want and then tighten the screw back down tighten the knob back down well that wasn't good enough for um, <laughs> for Magmod here. Uh, the other problem is uh, if you don't do it well, your flash can fall right off of that light stand. Mm-hmm. Uh, either of you got Brent or have you had that happen? Have you had it fall off the light stand? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Many times. And it gets worse when you try and put, you know, you try to have an adapter to where you can put two flashes up sure. there or whatever. Yeah, now right. you got, or have a modifier on it or yeah. something like that. Or you get, yeah, when there's two, then like a knob gets kind of uh, hidden by the other adapter and now to try to do it you're you're like working your fingers around stuff to try to get to the knobs yeah. to, to tighten them down and yeah if you don't do a good job that light your light stand you could have your flash six to eight feet off the ground and if it falls uh, you might be a down a flash yep. so uh, that's that's not fun I've had it happen to it it just 
my heart lump leaps every time like oh no oh no is it gonna be okay and uh so far they they've mostly made it through i think i've only broken one but that's that's been the thing that caused me to break my flash was it fell off the light stand because i didn't tighten it properly and it's just too hard to do all right so magmod's take on this they made this so simple and this is the thing i probably want the most <laughs> yeah they have, they have a, a a new uh, cold shoe adapter here and the best way to describe it to me, they didn't describe it this way, but it, it brings a visual that makes it the best to me. It's, it's kind of like a pistol grip and it has a trigger there. And, and so you, you, to get it on the light stand, you just push in the trigger, plop it on the light stand and let go. And now it's on the light oh stand. Oh my gosh, that is so nice. And if you want a different angle, you just push the trigger and you go to whatever angle you want and let go of the trigger. And now it's held in place at that angle. So, uh, wow this it's one hand use you're not gonna oh and and then to uh to connect the flash to it is one little swipe like they it's not a, a knob or a, a little thing you have to turn and try to tighten you can do it with one hand again your your fingers can be on the trigger and then your thumb can go up towards the top of it and there's just this little it's kind of a latch but it's this like dial thing that you just slide over about a quarter turn over and now your flash is held secure you don't have to tighten down your your uh, little circular dial on the flash itself uh, usually when you're mounting to a cold shoe you have both the tightener on the cold shoe itself and you have a little round disc that you lower down over the flash trying to make double sure that this thing's going to stay in place and they, they're saying you don't need to worry about that little dial on the flash to, to bring it down and tighten it to it this the grip the uh, mag shoe is totally capable of just uh, hanging onto your flash with that little uh, tension thing at the top. So that, <laughs> so that nice. motion for getting that flash to stick on makes me think of the old iOS. If you can swipe to unlock your phone, you can attach your flash. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, it, it's this. That's the part I'm probably most excited about. Um, that that right there, I would love to have. Uh, because those cold shoe adapters are so hard to use and the ones that i've had I'm, I'm using relatively inexpensive ones like i do on most of my gear and they the tension uh doesn't last very well like the stuff wears out yeah. as you're tightening with the different knobs they don't tend i think that's why they've fallen off of my light stands because i've used them enough that and i've tightened them so tight that um it's kind of broken or, or uh i don't know it, not totally broken in half stripped but, it yeah, stripped the plastic yeah that these things are made out of and i i think that's probably a problem with a lot of them so yeah this this is really exciting to me <laughs> this this cold shoe thing is really cool um yeah. all right so let's talk about then uh this stuff sounds really awesome uh-huh you can't get it in the mag store yet it's in the kickstarter which at this point i want to remind everyone kickstarter is not a store and there is a chance that if you go and back anything in, in Kickstarter, that it never sees a light of day. You lose your money and you don't ever get a product. So there is that chance. I, I don't think MagMod has any danger there, but I, that is a caveat. If you decide you want to do Kickstarter, make sure you have that mentality of there is a chance <laughs> that I won't get this product. Um, but let's let's go through the pricing now of this stuff. So. If you back the Kickstarter with 50 bucks, you get a mag shoe, which is very cool. They, they're saying it's, it's $5 off that way, so they're, they're intending to retail the mag shoe for 55 bucks. 
Then you have uh, $90. If you back it with $90, the Kickstarter project, um, then you get two mag shoes, and that's going to save you $15 off of the price when it's going to go retail. $200 backer gets the mag box and a mag speed ring. So that's this is the kind of the strobe kit. You would have what you need to mount your strobe onto or mount the mag box onto your strobe. Uh, and they're saying that's going to save you about 30 bucks from retail. So when it goes to retail, that's going to be $230 per strobe that you want to have covered with a mag box. Then for $260, you get one mag box, one mag ring, and one mag shoe. So they're saying that's about $30 off the expected retail price. So when it goes in the MagMod store, you can expect that setup, the three pieces, to cost you about $290. And then, and this would be the set if if po- folks are looking for you know what do I need to shoot on site with my my little flashes. This would be the set that you need as long as you have those those mag adapters that go on your flash. Yeah, so that that they yeah. point that out as you're if you're in the Kickstarter too that if you don't yet have a mag grip that's that little plastic thing rubber thing I said you have to put on and then there's the two magnets on either side that are needed for like everything mag mod. Those are um, you can get them if you go to the the kickstarter and back it now you can get mag grips for 15 bucks that's ten dollars off because they're 25 dollars in the store today so that you can save yourself some money by backing the kickstarter project um and then there are bunches of other options they have other you can go up quite a bit more and contribute a lot of money here if you want to to the kickstarter project Um, as we're recording this here in early july 2018 the kickstarter has about 40 almost 50 days left before it's ended and they were their target their goal was a hundred thousand dollars and they are six times that at a little over six hundred thousand dollars in pledges so far so that's crazy they've got a really good launched right yeah it's only about a week i think that it's been open maybe two and uh so yeah they they, (laughs) people jumped on this rather quickly and yeah uh, i yeah so so that's it it's even more likely to happen because they're meeting their goal really fast on getting it there. And if this stuff sounds interesting to you, then you might want to consider going over there and backing the project. All right. So Mm -hmm. with that said, now that we've gone over the details, let's start with you, Erica. Are you interested? Heck yes. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you might. (laughs) I'm going to go back it as soon as we stop recording. Yep. And so are you going to go with the the one mag box one mag green one mag shoe kind of option yeah 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 i think so and i think i'll buy a couple more mag grips as well since since i can get them for ten dollars off yeah i was thinking of that too i only have one and that limits me (laughs) today so so i have i have mag grips on all of my flashes but i don't have any on antonio's flashes he's my second shooter um so i'll probably buy some for his flashes okay all right brent what about you Yeah, they've got a kit for $989. (laughs) You're in on that, huh? No, Um, maybe not. This is extremely, uh, extremely um, interesting to me. I'm definitely going to get some of the uh, some of the shoes for sure, uh, because those will also accept an umbrella. So if you wanted to just go with a way to attach your flash easily to the stand and have an umbrella, you know, what was it? $25, $50, I guess it was. Yeah, 50 bucks. Um, So... I'm definitely interested in that. As far as the rest of the items are concerned, it's it's hugely interesting to me. And I know this would make life easier for my students, but I'm not sure that I want to spoil them like this because, (laughs) you know, not 
everything is this easy in life and uh they might have a they might have a uh you know, unrealistic view of what the world is out there because not every studio or every other photographer is going to have this kind of thing. So I say that slightly in jest, but uh, it's definitely tempting to me and I'll have to think about it. Thankfully, this thing is going on for another month or so. Yeah. So I have some time to think about it. All right. So for me, and I'm, I'm bringing the hobbyist view here and someone who has got some mag stuff gear already. Um, I would love to have two of these. I'd love to have uh, two of the mag boxes, two of the mag rings, and two of the mag shoes. Um, the quality of the magma stuff is just superb. The stuff I've got already is, I don't see how it's ever going to wear out. <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to last forever. And uh, I do enough flash portrait work that the usability enhancements we've talked about the and the other light, the extra light that you could get would really, really help me out. I would I would very much benefit from this. Problem is, that's a lot of money. <laughs> that's the $989 kit right there. Oh, the, yeah, the, that's, two, that's, the two of them. Oh, gosh. I, I, there's no way I can get two for sure. And <laughs> even one. So I went and, and kind of did. I looked at the products I'm using and went and priced them out. And this stuff is about five times more expensive than what I'm using right now. And what I'm using is working. There's problems. There's stuff I don't like about it for sure. And the ease of use is a big deal. I can't get the extra light out of it. So there's, there are compelling reasons to consider this and compelling reasons to say, I want to spend five times more money on this, but boy, I got to think about it. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) That is a lot of hobbyist dollars going towards uh, light modifiers. Yeah. 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 So we'll, we'll see. I don't know. Uh, stay tuned. I'll, I'll let you know if I end up pulling the trigger. I'm leaning towards doing it, but we'll see. I have to get it past the finance committee and she's not very, <laughs> she doesn't like this. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's, that's all we, we got on Magbox. So let's uh, take a quick break here for an ad. And then we're going to talk about some disturbing fair use news. So this episode is brought to you by the Create Photography Retreat. And if you're making steps towards mastering your photography by listening to this podcast, then I want you to imagine the progress that you can make if you spent like three uninterrupted full days immersing yourself in mastering your craft. If you've been listening for a while, you've heard me talk about how incredible it is to go get to spend those days with other passionate photographers around you, hundreds of passionate photographers, just as passionate as you about your photography. Uh, It's an incredible experience. The first time we did the retreat in 2017, uh, I was so impressed by the experience. It was was something I actually did not expect to come away feeling so energized and so enthusiastic about photography. Um, I I was so impressed with it. I actually did a 40 minute photo taco podcast episode where I just talked about my experience and how much I took away from it, how uh, impactful and, and impressive it was. Um, if that's not reason enough to go, you also get the chance to meet Erica and Brent in person. And who doesn't <gasps> want to do that? If you're listening to the podcast, you want to go meet Erica and Brent over there at the at the episode. That right there is worth the price of the ticket. So uh, and I'll be there too. And I just love meeting listeners and kind of geeking out over photography. It's really fun to meet people between classes. They can ask me questions about Lightroom or their cameras. And I, I love it. It's so much fun. The retreat in 2019 is going to be in Las Vegas. 
Vegas. It's March 28th through March 30th. So you have a lot of time to prepare and uh, the travel to get there should be pretty inexpensive. Uh, and the ticket prices for the retreat itself are ridiculously low, $387, which is extremely competitive. You should go price out what other conferences, photography conferences cost, and they're a lot more money than that. So uh, it's, it's a really awesome opportunity and experience. And I want you to go check it out at createphotographyretreat.com. And we all hope to see you there. All right. Let's talk about this disturbing fair use thing that, that has happened and kind of taken the photography community by storm over the last uh, week or so. Um, so let, let me set kind of what what's happened and then I'm going to ask Brett and Eric, I'm going to ask your reactions and, and what does this mean to us? So what happened was a photographer named Russell Brammer. He, uh, he somehow discovered, they didn't, I don't know that anyone's told me how, but he has discovered uh, that one of his really nice long exposure photos of Washington, D.C. Uh, had been cropped and was being shown by a website. It's a website for the Northern Virginia Film Festival, and they have on their website, they have this page of things to do, kind of encouraging you to attend the festival. And while you're there for the festival, there's some other things you could consider doing to enhance your experience and take advantage of your time being in the DC area. And so they, they had his photo just right there and things to do. It had, it had been cropped, but they had clearly taken the photo from his Flickr site and they used it without either permission or attribution. Neither one was there. So the photographer sent them a cease and desist notice and the company immediately took the photo off. So they didn't argue. They're like, okay, yep, we'll take it down. And they took it off of the page immediately. As soon as they got that notice, it was gone. The photographer then also sued the company for copyright infringement and the company, the company responded and said they think it was fair use. They don't, they don't think that there was any grounds for the lawsuit. All right. The court, the case went to the court and after hearing all the arguments, the judge ruled in favor of the company. And he ruled that their, their use of the photo was fair use. And he ruled it. He said this was the criteria. This is what made him rule in favor of the company. The photo was being used in a non-commercial way in providing information to people about the local area. It wasn't directly being used to sell anything. The photo was used in good faith because it wasn't very clear. The photo was protected by copyright and restricted from this kind of use where it was on, on his Flickr site and that the, the company took the photo down as soon as they were asked. So, so that contributed significantly to it being fair use. The photo was cropped pretty significantly, so it wasn't the whole thing. They only used the, the very small portion of the photo that they needed, that contributed. And then the last part was there wasn't any evidence that the use of the photo harmed the photographer. So for those reasons, this judge ruled that the use of this photo without any attribution or permission was fine was fair use all right so with that brand i want to go to you first give me your reaction to this hogwash <laughs> <laughs> I, it's it's very disturbing that they would that they would treat it this way because the, he's trying to argue or accept the argument that, or create the argument that this initial website was uh, purely an informational website. So if I were to do that with um, my hometown, my, my, my hometown of Walla Walla is a tourist trap. 
And if I were to create an informational website, I should be able to go rip off photo- photographs from any photographer in town, including our friend Nick Page, and I should expect that they will not have any problem with it. That's just not realistic. <laughs> and it's really disappointing that the judge uh, had this opinion. In my, in my opinion, it's really disappointing that the judge had this opinion. Okay, Erica, what, what's your reaction? I agree. I mean, <laughs> disappointing is is the best way I can describe it. There's just, I feel like this is something that happens a lot. And I, I just, I'm sick of hearing about, you know, the, the, the people that are dealing with this and, and losing because it's just disheartening, I think, to everybody in the industry. Yeah, it, it is. And that's why the, uh, the photography community has responded so much, why this has been such a big deal. Uh, they, the, they're, it's threatening the livelihood of photographers. This, this right. ruling is weakening our ability to defend copyrights and uh, make sure that we're, we're fairly compensated for the work we're producing. And y- you have this horrible catch 22. He's sharing his photos on Flickr so that people can see them, get interested in them and license them. Like, it's a mechanism to sell his photography. Um, and yet it was, it's so easy with the technology to steal it. It's just not that hard. And, uh, most, a lot of companies don't even realize it's, it's not, it's, it's wrong to do that. They, they think if it's on the internet, I can use it. And that's just, it's not supposed to be true. And in this case, the judge has ruled that it is, it it was fair use. Now, some of the details are definitely uh, there, this. This doesn't. It's kind of a unique case in some some regard. They took it down at first when they were very first asked. That I think if that hadn't happened, there was there might have been some some different things here. The outcome could right. that could have totally swayed the outcome itself right there. So the co- the company really showed that they were uh, th- yeah that they were responding the way they need to. As soon as someone says that's not okay and they say, Oh, you okay. You're right. You did copyright it. We didn't realize it. Sorry. We'll take it down immediately. That, that, that is a big deal because most companies don't respond that way. They're like, no, I I don't care. (laughs) I don't care what you say. That's actually a question that I had when I first read the article, you know, why did he pursue taking them to court? That, yes. And uh, I think that's where his bigger problem is because, that we ended up with this ruling calling it fair use, I would have rather the judge said, well, you really don't have a claim because they followed right. They, they right. followed in their, you the know, their best faith effort. Because they did what they were out. supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. And that, that part of the story actually bothers me on the side of the photographer too. Like he went for everything right at the beginning. He didn't mm-hmm. contact them and try to say, Hey, this, this is not good. Maybe can we work out a licensing deal? It, there was no, it was immediately to legal action. <laughs> right. And right. that's going to make a company respond with legal action. They have no choice. You started it. You mm-hmm. brought the, the lawyers into it. Now they have to, too. And here we go. 
Um, so uh, we talked about this on a previous roundtable episode. I, I shared a story. Uh, I was with Connor, and I shared a story about how I had a, a company kind of go that route with me on as I built my house. Right. And yeah. oh my gosh, yeah, they they didn't even try to communicate with me. They sent a sheriff with a badge and a gun to my door, <gasps> making me sign a legal document. That um, yeah, it was it was just, and I was like, well, okay, if that's what you're gonna do, I'm gonna go find out. And they ended up losing. So. Uh, wow! Yeah, it just it makes people dig in, and they they're d- going to defend themselves. They're yeah, they're yeah. going into defensive mode. And I, I love I, we talked about this because of the the Tony Northrup, um, his photo that was being used on products in uh, Australia. It was stolen and put on phone cases, and he tried so hard to not get lawyers involved because that immediately means he gets no money. <laughs> Pretty much. And, yeah. and they, they lawyered up on their side immediately. So he's like, oh, great. Well, now this is going to be useless, but let's go. We got to get our photo off the market anyway. So, um, yeah, it's, it's always going to be my recommendation. I, I, I mean, I can't offer you legal advice. I'm not a lawyer. I'm, I'm not you. I, I don't know what your situation is going to be, but it sure seems to me like if you can keep lawyers out of the mix, things are going to be better <laughs> as, yeah. you, as you go to work with this stuff. All right. So now that you've seen this this case, I'm also curious, Erica, is there anything different that you would do or, or are you thinking you might change anything you're doing as a photographer as you share your work? Mm, no. <laughs> okay. You know, I mean, I guess if I like really sat and thought about thought about it and really put a plan together maybe there's some changes I can make but for me you know I'm sharing client work I'm not I'm I'm not sharing a lot of landscape work or a lot of work that you know a lot of people probably would want to use for as stock photography so you know I don't see for me an issue with people trying to go out and take photos of a bride and groom to use on their website I'm sure it would happen but I just I guess I don't feel that threat as much as maybe a product photographer would or a landscape photographer or you know a street photographer do you do anything to try to find infringement of your photos I haven't, but I know a lot of people who do, even people like me who are primarily portrait photographers. I know there are some programs or websites that people can can use to to track down their photos that are being used without their permission. Yeah. So I would bet your stuff's out there more than you know, because oh, I'm sure it is. <laughs> uh, even as a hobbyist and the, the very little work that I share, I've I, I've gone just mainly to test out these tools. Uh, I can't even remember which ones I've signed up for, but there's numerous out there. Uh, and the simplest one is just to do a Google search. You drag like your photo over to the, the Google search uh, page yeah. and it will just search and see if there's there's places for it. But um, I've had, with the very little work that I've got out there and most of it's just not even that compelling, uh, <laughs> I've had it stolen. I've had even a bride and groom. I've only done like two weddings because uh, I don't do weddings. I just don't want that. Erica's good for that, no. but not me. <laughs> and and uh, I've But I've done it for friends and family. So I've done a couple and this was early on so it wasn't even great it was like no flash it was it was way early as i was doing photography and i've had i had this images stolen and they were using them on websites advertising their uh you know wedding uh planner services and Mm. it was crazy that my photo was out there so um you see that's just an informational website about (laughs) someone who does wedding planning so if they're in virginia hurting you yeah right yeah i mean that's it is kind of a disturbing ruling of yeah it it's kind of crazy uh brent you gonna change anything about how you share photos 
probably not what this does give me some some energy to think about uh, being more disciplined on that is to register my copyright and that is you have a much larger legal sledgehammer if you register your work and it's it would be fairly easy for me to do since everything can be done online now and and the restrictions are fairly straightforward as far as you know can they be published or are they published already how long could they have been published already uh, they all have to be in the same calendar year. There's lots of different caveats to that, so we're not getting into that. But it it really makes me think maybe I should start um, getting way more disciplined in that area because the registrations that I have done uh, were basically long ago, and it's not something I've worried about at this point. And maybe I'll maybe I'll change that opinion and how I do that because I I do want to protect my work and I do want to. Um, it's part of my livelihood. You know, if you go to Amazon and search my name, you're going to find my stuff all over the place, but it's because my agent has put my stuff all over the place. Uh So it's, it's one thing where I don't know how much I can really control anyway, just because quite a bit of it is already out there. But another thing is, you know, why shouldn't I do my due diligence? And if I put something on Facebook, maybe I should put that annoying, uh, larger, I guess I could say, watermark on there. Because part in this case that we're talking about, they're saying it was a transformative use because they cropped it. And I'm just like, how is that? That that doesn't hold any water with me because the copyright law says that derivative works yeah. are still the Protection. original yeah. uh, ownership by, by the original creator. Uh, it has certainly a work that's inspired is fine, but if it's just a derivative work in this case, it would still be owned by the the original copyright owner. So it's it's um it, it, it's it's just a disturbing ruling, and I hope they can uh, take this up a notch to the next court level because and get this overturned because it's definitely not a not a good ruling. Mm-hmm. Although again, I wouldn't necessarily say that company needs to pay any damages or heart or huge damages because they did what they're supposed to do. They took it down. Yep, they responded right. just as they should. Yeah. Yeah. So the the thing that came to mind as I read this story um, was copy was uh, watermarking or not. And yeah, sure. It's it's can be pretty easy to get rid of watermarks, too. Um, and, and in this case, it looks to me like his photo on Flickr didn't have any watermarking on it at all. So that would be another element. Not that it's, I mean, to some degree, I really just like watermarks. It detracts away from the photo and it, they're really not that effective. But in this case, it would have been another element that he could have, that would, would have gone into this where he could have shown they actively did something to remove the watermark. And that tends to, yeah. to bring a lot of bearing to the case as well. Mm-hmm. They yeah. deliberately removed a watermark. That kind of shows right there that they knew it wasn't a way they can use this photo without contacting the photographer and working out licensing. When, when the watermark gets removed, that kind of takes away that very first argument that they had there, or the second one, I guess it was, about that it wasn't clear to them it was copyrighted or that it wasn't allowed for this kind of use. Uh, if he had watermark on there, that, that element probably couldn't have been argued. And that, that might have changed right. things. Um, and I've, I've decided in my own work, I, I have to use copyrights in one specific scenario. So I do a lot of high school sports shooting. I do the team photos for the, 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 the high school basketball teams. 
and I love doing it. It's fun. I just, I enjoy it. I enjoy being with the kids and, and they love to have their photos. They love action shots I get from the games. They, um, and they have no qualms and their parents either about totally taking a fully watermarked, like it's a massive square in the middle of the photo and posting it out on Instagram and on Facebook and using it, like even print it up and put it on the wall. They don't care that the waterworks mm-hmm. there. <laughs> um, so I have to do it just to try to convince them to go buy the photo on my site, which is not terribly expensive, but they don't really seem to, ma- to, to, to mind. And if I don't have the watermark there, I won't sell anything. It will never happen. So I've decided I have to put this big, really obtusive watermark in the center of my sports photos um, so that I encourage them to to go and buy it. And I've had some sales now because of it, but uh, it's kind of crazy. I've kind of, I've gone back and forth in my work over the years where I've, I did watermarking at one point on everything and then I kind of went away from it. It was extra work and I wasn't really thinking it mattered a whole lot. But now I'm kind of wondering if I should go back and maybe put it in like a, on landscapes or stuff where I, I, I want people to enjoy the photo and, and uh, be able to consume it without being distracted a lot by a watermark and maybe put it in the lower right corner like so many do in a very, uh, you know, mostly transparent way just enough to make it so I could say if something like this happened, look, they took the the watermark off. That shows that they were deliberate. They, they were using this when they knew they shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Uh, what mm-hmm. do you guys, how do you guys feel about watermarks? For my personal website, I would probably still not put them on, which is, you know, all of a sudden everyone looks up and says, Hey, I'm going to go steal his w- images off his website. But you know, that is my property. And I find it a little, I would find it a little annoying to constantly see that signature at the bottom of an image if I'm on the person's thing. But if it's on my Facebook or anything else, I could definitely see a a really good uh, argument for that because how easy is it to hit that share button so many times? So to to keep it going, you know, like your people are printing them and posting them on billboards (laughs) or not billboards, but corkboards or whatever. Uh, that's perfect advertising for you. So yeah, in that sense, it's probably actually beneficial to you. Uh, and that's not a bad thing, but when it goes online and it can just go somewhere super duper quick without any influence or knowledge, having it there could certainly make a lot of sense. Erica, what about you? I have historically been very diligent about watermarking pretty much anything I put online, whether it's on social media, on blog posts, on my website, whatever. I've pretty much always had a watermark on it. I did it in the lower right corner, lower opacity, and it was just kind of my way of almost signing Uh my work. Um, And also, it's really great advertising, Brent, like you just said. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, with the shares and and just people who see it with the watermark, they're always going to know that I'm the photographer there. If they want photos similar to that, they know who to to contact it's easy easy advertising i've been slacking though i'd say probably for most of 2018 i haven't watermarked anything at all just because it's an extra step in the process it takes a little extra time and i have been lazy about it and i know that i need to get back to doing it not necessarily because i want to protect myself again i just don't feel that threat or i don't think about that threat probably as much as i should but simply because of the advertising. Um, I know I need to get back to that. Yeah, I would say in the portrait area, it's probably more of expected to see it there because people would likely, I would think, want to know 
who shot this image? Right. I love it. I want to hire them kind of a thing. Yeah. And by having it there, you're, you're actually serving your customer very easily. And mm-hmm. it makes a lot of sense. And that's what I, it's one of the reasons I am still going with Zenfolio for my webs, my, my client, uh, communication and, and website where I deliver my photos because it does this really cool thing uh, and others may too, but, uh, and there's other reasons, but for Zenfolio for me, but, um, one of the features that I love and is always on is it will auto watermark my stuff for me. And then oh, so nice. that, so that on the page, when you go to visit it, it's watermarked. And then if you go to buy it, it will, it has the original image. So it's without the watermark. So it, you, when you buy it, you get to download the image without the watermark and I don't have to do a thing. So that's, nice. so that's uh, yeah, it works really well for the sports stuff because I don't want to have to go and work, do that individually with every order. I have enough of them. That would take a lot of time. So it's a feature of the Zenfolio stuff that I value. Um, there's a, the other features of like client communication stuff that I, I use a lot more that um, make it even more valuable. And then the cost. Anyway, this isn't a discussion about, <laughs> about providers of, of websites, <laughs> but it's one of the, the watermark capability there is, is kind of a big deal to me. And one of the reasons that I'm still, still paying for Zenfolio. Um, all right. So I, I, is there anything else to say about this? I, I don't know. It's, it's disturbing. That's why we call it a, you know, disturbing fair use. Because uh, it feels like our rights as photographers are kind of being threatened a bit by this court ruling. I don't think it's over. That I've seen things that say there's rebuttals going on. So, so maybe we're going to have it looked at by a separate judge to see how they feel about it. Um, but that that could be worse because you might have two judges saying, "Yeah, this is fine," and that right. makes it even more solidified. So I don't know where where it'll go. I do think I'm going to uh, think more about doing watermarking. It's not going to prevent people from stealing your photos, but at least if it comes to something as big as this, you have a little bit more evidence to say that they, they knew they shouldn't be using it um, when they go post it out there. Well, and this, this also brings to mind, I think Connor mentioned it in a previous episode of the Roundtable about there's some legislation that our oh, right. people in Washington are considering that would make it easier for what we might call small claims copyright right. uh, cases. And this might be one of those that would qualify as a small claims copyright case because copyright can only be brought in federal court. And that just creates a whole nother layer of just legal minutiae that you have to deal with. And if we can have a subset that, you know, doesn't necessarily change that, but creates a process for these smaller claims, uh, maybe that would make things a lot easier for both parties. And that would be something... For people to you know go look up research if you like the idea support it i certainly know connor is in huge support of it so uh it's something to to be thinking about too yeah actually i'm glad you brought that up we talked about copyright in a lot of detail in a couple of uh episodes back on on master photography on table so you can go search on the website for that or we'll put a link in the show notes too to that episode so if you're interested in finding out more and you missed that episode you can go listen to connor and i discussing copyright how to kind of submit your copyright claims uh brent talked about just a little bit earlier uh, so it's a good episode to go go catch up on if you missed it all right let's go to our doodads we're uh, like an hour and 15 minutes into this episode so <laughs> hey it's a great episode let's go to doodads uh erica why don't you go first so my doodad is pretty closely related to to our magmod topic um it's not really a thing but more of a resource. The Facebook group that MagMod has is amazing. And the group is called hashtag MagMod community. And it's so 
wonderful. It's not one of those groups where you, you know, see people talking crap about each other's photos and arguing about things. It's really supportive. It's really great. And you get so much inspiration, creative inspiration from the group because there are so many amazing photographers in that group showing, uh, sharing photos that they've created using MagMod products. So if you're thinking about MagMod, if you're interested in it, or if you're using it, definitely join that group because it is a great source of inspiration and even a great source of education. People are sharing, you know, how they created these photos, sharing behind the scenes, sharing tips and tricks for using MagMod products. And it's it's just super useful and a, and a nice, supportive environment. Oh, I love it. Okay, Brent, how about you? Yes, I am going with Kansan Infinity Paper. Specifically, they have one called Barita Photographique. And that is my ultimate go-to paper for a lot of my work. It's not if I'm if I'm printing anyway, uh, especially if I want to do a black and white conversion. This stuff was basically made for black and white. It's absolutely beautiful. It's a wonderful paper, and um, it's about seventy-five dollars if you get the uh, the twenty-five pack of thirteen by nineteen. So it's three dollars a sheet. So it's not cheap, but it's fantastic stuff. Perfect. All right, and mine is the softbox I'm using today, and I really wish I could go with the magbox. We'll, we'll see. We'll see if I could do that. But <laughs> the one I'm using today, it's it's a good one. Um, it's really easy to, to like get up and down to expand the box out to be fully uh, big and, and then to kind of take it down a little bit. It doesn't go super compact, but you can at least collapse like the, the wire edges that make up the firm frame of the softbox. And uh, so it's it's the Photodiox F60 Quick Collapse Flash Softbox. It's about fifty bucks, and uh, worked out. It's worked out very very well for me, and I, I like it. I liked it better than using the MagSphere so far, uh, but I need to get. I did just do a shoot where I, I only brought the Sphere. Uh, it was outside and there was some wind, so I didn't bring my softbox, and um, it, it works. The Sphere works pretty well too, but I liked the softness of this uh better than the sphere it's just bigger as a light source and uh so but uh, boy the the mag sphere is pretty cool <laughs> so that's my, yes, my pick is. all right that's it for this episode just as a reminder masterphotographypodcast.com <clears throat> is the new home for the show you want to go there and, and check it out the facebook group is there for you the master photography podcast so when you go join erica's magmod community group go search for the master photography podcast group too and join that one you do have to ask to join it's uh we and you got to answer a question of a host a name of a host on the show so erica brent or jeff will work and uh, and you'll we'll let you in we have to do that so that we keep the bots and the spammers out of the will will brian and connor not work brian and connor will also work Oh, good. And I'll even take I'll even take Jim and Nick. So, <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I saw one come in and saying Nick. Yeah. I was like, okay. I, I think you know what you're doing, that's but fine. still, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's good. They're they're good friends of the show, so that's great. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. Um, and then you can where you can find my work um, jsharmanphotos dot com. Uh, you can find my podcast over at phototacopodcast dot com. Um, and there's other links, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram over there. Brent, where can people find you? My website, brentbergherm.com, is just my name, and then latitudephotographypodcast.com. And also a quick uh, reminder for folks, I am closing my rental company. Brent Rents Lenses is something that I've been working on for four years, and I've decided it's time to 
in this chapter of my life, if you want to call it that. And uh, things are on sale. So things are for sale now. So if you just go to the website on the homepage, I have the, uh, an unordered laundry list, basically, of all the pieces. And it gives you a little link to the, to the uh, page where you can hit the buy button. And so get some good gear. All right. Erica, where do people find you? You can find me online on Facebook and on Instagram under Erica K Photography. So that's E R I C A K A Y Photography. Perfect. And of course, Portrait Session Podcast, right? Oh, yes, of course. How could of I forget course. that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Portrait Session Podcast. Uh, it's Portrait Session Podcast.com, I think. And, yes. Yep. So go check that out. Go subscribe to our to those shows. There's some some really great stuff. If you like the stuff Erica talked about today with the the lighting, go check that out. And then Brent uh, offered a lot of advice too. His Latitude podcast helps with travel photography. If that's where your interest lies, go check out those those podcasts. All right, with that, that's the end of this episode, and we'll see you all in another seven days. 